From Bregman MD, where we're all about psych solutions, I'm your host, Linda Corley, and this is The Breakdown with Dr. B. Dr. Bregman, remember during the pandemic, we spent so many podcasts sort of predicting what the lasting impact of COVID and people being in shutdown, lockdown, you know, the effect it would have on our psyche. What would it do to children that were not going to school socially, babies that were going through milestones but weren't being socialized? I mean, the list is endless. And you always said, well, wait till the research is out. And that, of course, takes time. So I looked at some research and the World Bank, for instance, estimates that before the pandemic, more than half of students in low and middle income countries were living in learning poverty. That means unable to read and understand a simple text by the age of 10. And that number may rise as high as 70% due to pandemic-related school disruptions. What do you think of that statistic, Dr. B? There is a pandemic part that has to do with learning issues, emotional issues after the pandemic. What happens when you lock people up, especially kids, young kids, long time? So Dr. B, we had talked about this a year ago, about what's going to happen to our children. Are you seeing any type of disruption socially in children? What are your parents saying? Well, you know, Linda, you know, I see the kids that, you know, they're really just not even functional. So what I'm seeing is there's a large percentage of kids that are seeing me that have developed all kinds of psychological disorders post-pandemic, and I'll elucidate and talk about them more a little bit after we talk to our expert. You know, we can talk about statistics all day. We need to talk to someone who is actually on the ground seeing what you predicted. So I want to introduce Anna. She's a vice principal of a K through 12 school in Dade County. Thank you for joining us, Anna. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. So just let's go back a little. The pandemic happened. What was the protocol in your school when the state of Florida said it's now lockdown? How long were you in lockdown and how long was it till the kids actually got back to being in the building? Okay, so we shut down in March, like everyone else. We thought it was going to be a week, take us through spring break. We would be back in two weeks. It wasn't going to be anything crazy. Then the entire country locks down, including the state of Florida. And we are online overnight. Um, Teachers came in to the cafeteria, spread apart. And we turned the whole classroom upside down and... We were on Microsoft Teams. So we thought, we're like, okay, this is going to take us through, they had said, the end of the school year. First, they said a couple weeks, maybe a month. Then it's through the end of the year. Um, We were pretty panicked. We were happy at least that it was the end of the third quarter. There was only one quarter left of school, including getting ready for testing. So we thought, okay, you know, maybe it won't be too terrible. Then when the summer hit, 
they said, we're going to give the option of staying virtual. Well, first, we're going to open virtually. Um, we have to open virtually everything. Nobody can come because the cases are too high. We opened our doors. Uh, we were one of the first schools in Miami-Dade because we're a charter. And we opened in September. Um, and then it was just the race to get kids in. Because even though we opened, that doesn't mean everybody wanted to come back. So we were almost like advertising ourselves so that students would come back to school. We were able to convince a lot of parents of our youngest students that they really, really needed to be in school. Learning how to read over Zoom is not functional. The, now you're explaining your challenges. What were the, the, the challenges of parents at home trying to teach their children? I mean, not all of us are equipped to be teachers, let's face it. Oh, definitely. Different challenges. Honestly, some parents were really great. Some parents did the work for the kids, which doesn't work out because when they do step foot back in the building, we're going off scores that you were receiving online and they're not true. This happened a lot with the the youngest population, like kinder through second grade. It was it was begging parents, do not do the assessments or that don't count for a grade. They're just diagnostics to see where the kids are at. Do not do their work. Do not do their assessments. Do not help them because then one, we don't know where they really are. And two, when they do come back, we have an expectation and the kids are breaking down because they can't do the work. So that was, yeah, that was a huge, huge challenge. Then we had the other extreme where the kids are young um, and they're left to a device in their room, unsupervised with all the temptations in the world. And no one to just like from the across the room to be looking at them so that the kid knows you need to stay on the screen, not go to another screen, not grab a toy, not not be distracted. So different challenges, different situations. So what are you hearing, Dr. B? I mean, you you really did predict this a few years ago. Kids need like eye contact. OK, they need to like be with people, not screens. So Anna couldn't be a totally more correct. We got to get the kids back. And the issues about infection to them were minimal. Um, really, it was the thing to do. But, you know, there was a big groundswell, if we remember at that time, against having kids come back. And the kids are, are a consequence. We need to learn how to read. I mean, reading is absolutely imperative for growth in many, many areas. Anna, what were you seeing in terms of the emotional impact of these young children? You had mentioned frustration, but what were some other social skills that they were missing or had forgotten over that that year? Um, Well, simple things like just coming in and having a conversation with your peers. Um, The ones that were, let's say a little bit older, third grade was a big challenge. Uh, Having a conversation with your peers, being able to regulate emotion is a huge one. We're still dealing with that. We go from zero to 100 very quickly. Small things are huge triggers, which usually you would see that those things would, you know, they would escalate and they would make you feel a certain type of way, but it wouldn't take you all the way to your boiling point. So that emotional regulation 
is completely thrown off in a lot of the kids. Not all of them, but you just see from a school perspective, the spike in situations like that. So it's almost like those are the things that you're teaching kids when they're two, when they're three, regulate your emotions, use your words, tell me how you feel. And here we are all over again, but now you're nine. Okay. You know, Anna, I think what you're using is the term called like emotional regression. Okay. Mm -hmm. And all their functions that they'd have at later ages, because they regress now, they're much more primitive and they can't learn and they're not you know, able to go to school even at this time. They're so regressed. So what I see is the product of regression and then a lot of psychopathology in my office from regression. There's a good percentage of that. So, Dr. B, if you were a psychiatrist or psychologist in Anna's school, what would you be doing to help those kids that this is happening to? Okay. Now, the number one thing, and I'm sure Anna agrees, is we got to do more screening. Okay. So, in other words, have some really definitive screening so that we could identify the kids that are the most at risk, maybe the kids are minimal, and put them into programs or even have them see, you know, psychiatrists like me if need be. I think we got to do assessment. The kids are all different. We got to see what the kids need. So, Anna, scholastically, with those kids that did not learn to read during that pivotal grade, what are schools doing? I mean, I know you couldn't speak to what California schools are doing, but what are our Florida schools doing anything to help the kids, quote unquote, left behind? Well, yeah, Florida has um, mandatory. I think most states have this mandatory intervention. So you have for students that are below a certain threshold, um, especially in literacy, it's for math too, but literacy is, is the number one, then they're automatically put into intervention. So depending on what you where you ended the previous school year, you may start right away in tier two intervention. So you get pulled out to, uh, two to four times a week for an hour during your special areas, which, you know, then you miss your special area classes, but it's really the only way because that teacher, the classroom teacher is already pulling you for differentiated instruction in small group. But even that, the teachers have to teach on grade level. That's the law. Like I have to teach on grade level content. So the only time to teach you below grade level content has to be in something outside of the instructional block. So we can't just carve out that time or create that time. So we use special area time. Yeah, well, I'm glad to see at least they're addressing it. But, um, you know, statistics will show the long term effect. And let's hope it's just not as big of a percentage as, as we're seeing now. Any last thoughts, doctor? Yeah, as I'm practicing child psychiatry, we just really need to raise awareness. You know, a lot of the adults you know, uh, thought they kind of moved on, but the kids haven't. And yeah. there is a developmental delay. We got to identify the problems and we have to address them in school and other places. Parents think that the kids will just catch up and you can't you can't catch up on something you didn't learn how to do. 
So the fundamental grades that you missed out on kinder and first grade, which are foundational reading grades, if you're learning how to read, when you get to third grade, you're reading to learn. But here in kinder through second grade, you're still learning how to read. If you miss that, that there's no catching up to that. You have to learn that explicitly. Phonics has to be taught explicitly. And it's very hard to do behind a mask because I have to see your little face. And it's very hard to do behind a screen. Anna, I'm telling you, this is how we all learned. And the kids missed it. Okay, it has to have anybody who's listening said, well, it's going to have an effect. Okay, so if we understand what we're talking about, let's get involved and have the kids get more. In other words, they need more mentoring. They need more groups. They need more socialization. And I think the parents and the schools need to be proactive in this. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts, Anna? If you could wave a magic wand, what would you do to get all these kids back up to speed? At this point, depending on the grade level, what I would really love to see is the parents working with the school for a common goal, not against the school, we're, we're not trying to be punitive, but when sometimes when you try to raise awareness to the facts, uh, parents get defensive. And this is not a time to be defensive. This is like this is the situation. So we need to fix the situation. We need to get past it, but we can't ignore it, sweep it under the rug and say that it'll be gone in a year because it won't. It's only going to get worse. And we've seen that there's studies that show gaps just compound. And the more they compound, the harder it is for a kid to be successful. So I just want everyone to work together. And if your child has a problem and we are bringing it to your attention, it can be fixed the sooner you realize it. And instead of telling me that, no, we're wrong. No, we're not wrong. We're not wrong. They need to go see a specialist. They need to come back. We need to be able to get them the services that they need. And in order to do that, I need parents to really take the blinders off. Well said, Anna. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for adding your perspective that goes way beyond the statistics that I gave out. And good luck with your work and getting, I know you have your work carved out for you. (laughs) Thank you, Anna. Bye-bye. I want to thank Anna for joining us and Dr. B always for your great advice. If you'd like to know more about this topic, just log on to BregmanMedicalGroup.com. From Bregman MD, you've been listening to the latest episode of The Breakdown with Dr. B. If you'd like more information or to speak to one of our top psychiatrists, just head to our website at BregmanMD.com to book a telepsychiatry visit from the comfort of your home. Hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. Catch you next time.